Bob read us an interesting prophecy from God to his people in the Old Testament, the Israelites, promising them that if they obeyed him, he would bless them and things would go well. Let me begin by telling you a story about three of Israelites who lived back during those times. All three of them are named after their great-great-great-great-grandfathers. This is a fictional story, by the way, but they lived during that time. Simeon was one of them. Simeon was in the realty business, had a real estate business. Uh, Actually, it wasn't a real estate business. Actually, what Simeon did was he had, well, he had lived a little higher than his income. He had... uh, had a pretty good life, and uh, pretty soon his inheritance and the land that he had, he couldn't keep up, and he wasn't making enough to take care of everything, so he began to sell some of his land off. And he sold it for a number of years. The trouble was the price was dropping. Just six years ago, he had sold some for 10000 an acre. A couple of years ago, he had... Sold some for a little less than that. Uh, now it was going for 4000 an acre. His wife would ask him about that. His wife would ask him, how are things going to work out? How, how are we going to get through this? And Simeon would say, wait for the trumpet. Issachar was another one who lived about that time. Issachar was lazy. He didn't work like he ought to. He didn't pay attention to the Proverbs about the ants and and all of that. He was a sluggard and lay about and pretty soon lost what he had. He didn't work his land like he should. He began to borrow money to get by. He began to borrow money from a foreigner to get by. And soon he couldn't pay it back. For the last 12 years, he and his whole family had been slaves. Uh, You can call it indentured servants if you want to, uh, whatever you want to call it. But they were slaves of this foreigner who they owed so much money to. Uh, It wasn't too bad being a slave in those days in some ways. I mean, they were miserable that they didn't have their own land and they had to do what someone else told me and told them and all their money went to pay off their debt. But they were allowed to celebrate the feasts of Israel. And as they'd sit around the table on those feast days, especially the Day of Atonement, Issachar would tell his family, that year will come. That year will come, let's just wait for the trumpet. Reuben was another one of my fictional characters. Reuben, he was just a bad luck guy. You know, things just didn't go well for him. Well, it didn't hurt that he gambled a little bit. And when you're a bad luck guy, you shouldn't be into gambling. But he gambled a little bit, and pretty soon he gambled more, and it got worse. And pretty soon he couldn't afford to feed his family, didn't have food for them. So he stole an ox from one of his neighbors. He did it dark at night, and he thought there was no way they could catch him. He stole that ox and quickly butchered it and had food for his family, but they did catch him. 
Now, if he had just stolen an ox and he had it there, he would have had to pay it back plus another ox. Pay two times. But since he had killed this one, he had to pay back five times under Israeli law, and he couldn't do that. So he became a slave of the man he had stolen the ox from. For 18 years, he and his family had been a slave. His two oldest children knew only slavery. Reuben would tell them of the year to come. He would tell them of the year when the trumpet would sound. Then on the tenth day of the seventh month, one year, the trumpet sounded. The priests blew the ram's horn. The shofar was blown. Signified the year of Jubilee. And the families of Simeon and Issachar and Reuben rejoiced. Simeon repossessed all the property that he had sold. Set the price for new land if you wanted to buy some from him at 50000 an acre. Issachar and Reuben packed their bags with their families, left their masters, moved back to the home place, resolved to work hard, resolved to never gamble again, resolved to this time take care of their inheritance. That's a fictional story, but it could be true. You can read the full account in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 25, 6, and 7 tell parts of it. 25 is most of it. As you go through the book of or those chapters in Leviticus, the, the blowing of the ram's horn signified a very special year. It's called the year of liberty. It's called the year of freedom. It's called the year of jubilee. It's called the year of the Lord's favor. Let me read just a bit to you from Leviticus 25. God said, Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each one of you is to return to his family property and each to his own clan. The fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap and what grows of itself or harvest the unintended vines, for it is a jubilee and it's to be holy for you. God had this plan in the Old Testament that every six years the land got a Sabbath. The land got a rest. So the farmers would farm for six years and in the seventh year they wouldn't farm, they'd leave it. And God promised that the sixth year would have enough food, enough grain, enough output that it would last through that year of Sabbath. You had to trust God for that, but he would always provide if you did trust him. And then the Jews were to count those years and seven times of those, seven times seven years, when you got to 49, then the next one, the 50th, was extra special. The 50th was the year of Jubilee. In the 50th year, God would provide three years worth of crops on that last year of planting. Now, 
why God did this and how it worked is just amazing, interesting to think about. I'm not sure we know all the reasons, but there's principles taught in there. There's principles in the, the year of Jubilee and the Sabbath years and all of that. Uh, the principles were that the seventh year the land got to rest, and we know because of modern science and farming practice that that's a good idea. It, it taught them that the land belonged to God. If you read all of Leviticus 25, there's a big principle in there. God says, I gave you this land when you came out of Egypt. You didn't have anything. You didn't plant these fields. You didn't build these houses. I gave them to you. And it's mine. It all belongs to me. So you can't really sell the land. And he told them, don't cheat your neighbor when you sell them something. If you have to sell some of your land, do it. But what you're really selling them is the number of crops they're going to get off of it. Because in year 50, the year of Jubilee, everything goes back the way it was. So when my character Simeon sold his land, that's the way he had to do it. If it was 10 years till Jubilee, he could get more for it than if it was 5 years to Jubilee. If it was 50 years to Jubilee, he'd get a lot for it. Okay? But on the 50th year, he got to, or his descendants got to go back to their original inheritance. So God was teaching them that the land is mine. He was teaching them... That faith is required. It takes a lot of faith to just not plant one year. When all of your livelihood comes from the land, just don't plant. God will take care of it. He was also teaching them, I think, that God wants his people to be free. And you think through this, probably at least once each generation, everybody got to see Everybody redeemed. That's the way it worked. Every 50 years, everybody, no matter what kind of mess you'd gotten yourself into, God loved you. He wanted you to be free. He didn't want you to be captive. And so every 50 years, he set them free. He's a forgiving God. He's a redeeming God. He's a God worth celebrating, and he built that into the plan that once every 50 years, you celebrate for a year. You go back to your homeland. You go back to your original land with your original family, and your clan gets back together. Can you imagine that party? I don't think we can imagine that party. Cindy and I were talking on the way about different parties in the family and, and all of that. I mean, it's good to get together with family and have that reunion this time of year. A lot of you have had those. A couple of months ago, we it was my 65th birthday, and I thought I ought to have something really nice for my 65th birthday. So I gave myself a present. About the only way I get presents anymore, but... Uh, <laughs> I thought, I'll give myself a present, and I asked the whole family if they could get together in Atlanta for a week. And they accommodated me. We went. All 11 of us, both sons, both daughters-in-law, all five grandkids, together for a week. That was a great week. 
We ate and played and talked and laughed and told stories. The grandkids told stories about granddad. Corbin told one about the time I got lost in Atlanta. He thought it was hilarious. In fact, ten of them thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but we told old stories about other ancestors. and we It was a great week. Can you imagine doing that for a year? When you've been away for five or ten or fifty? To be freed from what you've been captive to and to go back to all your people on your land and celebrate for a year. God built that into his plan. God's a redeeming God. Jubilee must have been an awesome year. Now, as good as that sounds, as good as Jubilee sounds, let me point out that the Bible says that the Old Testament is a shadow of the good stuff. The Old Testament, the things that happened back then, are just a shadow of the good things to come. So let's take a few steps up the amazement ladder. Jubilee is amazing to me. Well, let's take a few steps up the the ladder of amazement and look at a little story in Luke 4 that we may overlook sometimes how significant it is. In this little story in Luke 4, Jesus returned to Galilee, and he was praised all over Galilee. People just thronged out to see him. And then he went back to Nazareth, his hometown. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. Verse 16 says, And on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. Now, if you were a guest in the synagogue, you got to read from the scrolls. So he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And here's what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he said to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, did you get what he said? I don't know if we get it. Uh, And I don't know if Reuben and Issachar and Simeon were there that day. I don't know if they just happened to be close to Nazareth and heard that read or what. But I guarantee you, if those three men who lived through the Jubilee, if they had been there that day when Jesus picked up that scroll and read that and said, this is the year of the Lord's favor. They would have got it. We're in a new time now. We're not in the the old plan where you wait 50 years. This is the year. 
This is the year of the Lord's favor. What I have come to do is preach that to people. I've come to free the captives. I've come to turn them loose. I've come to do all of the things that God used to do in this shadowy way back on the year of Jubilee. This year is the year of Jubilee. Next year is the year of the Lord's favor. This is the year of liberty. Next year will be the year of freedom. Every year will be the year of freedom now. You don't have to wait 50 years. His way is still best. If you obey him, he will bless you. Your life will be better. I want you to be free. I don't want anybody to be captive. This year's theme for 2014 is going to be freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. I thought about calling it Jubilee. I thought about calling it the year of liberty. I thought of all sorts of things, but it comes down to this. There's freedom in Christ. That's what Jesus came to say that day. And we're going to look at series about a number of different ways that Christ can free us. Ways that we ought to be free. Reasons that we ought to be in a continual year of Jubilee. This is the way we ought to think. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Look, look at all the ways he's blessed me. Look at what he's freed me from. We don't look at it that some way sometimes. Of course, one reason we don't look at it that way all the time is because we don't always do it God's way. A passage that Bob read to you from Leviticus 26. Go home and read that in more detail. And God says, if you obey... Things will go really good for you. If you don't, if you choose to do follow your own plan, not do the things that I advise you, things won't go so well. And I think over the years, if there's anything we've stressed in our series, I think that he doesn't give us these rules about life and money and sex and everything else that we have problems with. He doesn't give us these rules to make life miserable. He gives us these rules because it makes life better if we follow them. But when we don't follow them, we get into captivity in so many ways. So we're going to have a number of series about that, things that we can have freedom in Christ for. In fact, our first series is going to be kind of special. Uh, we'll start it next week, in fact, because we've got an event coming up we want to get ready for. It's called Free and Clear, God's Roadmap to Debt-Free Living. God doesn't intend for us to be in debt. He gave the Old Testament people, he gave them rules and principles. If they'd have followed them, Simeon wouldn't have been in the mess he was. Issachar wouldn't have been in his mess. Reuben wouldn't have been in his. If they'd have followed the principles, but they didn't. Now God redeemed them, God got them out of captivity, and he can get us out of captivity. So that's what we're going to talk about is God's principles, God's roadmap for debt-free living. Now, what's unique about this series is I'm not going to do it alone. Toby and I are going to do it together. We're going to take turns. He's going to start next Sunday. I'm going to go do the next Sunday. And the reason we're doing that is we've got different generations in here. Okay? We've got one generation older than me or mine and older that have one 
mindset about debt and about money and about spending. And, all. and we've got a, another generation that has a different idea, folks. That's just the fact, and we're going to talk about that. Talk about why that is. But whatever generation you're in, God's principles are still the same. He doesn't want you to be in debt. He wants you out of that captivity. So we're going to spend five weeks talking about that one. Then we'll go to some other series. Let me tell you one other reason I picked this theme for this year. Uh, some of you are aware of it. Yeah, I put it in the bulletin article, I think, but some of you keep track of it beyond that. Uh, Northside has existed for 75 years. 2014 is the 75th year since Northside became a congregation, 1939. Uh, I, that's, why, that's why I thought about calling it the year of Jubilee. And when I told that to Cindy, she said, I thought Jubilee was 50 years. Well, I'll call it Jubilee and a half then. <laughs> you know, but the Jubilee didn't really fit. So I thought, well, there's got to be a cool word for 75. So I looked it up. What's the 75th anniversary? It's the Dodran's Centennial. That just didn't flow for some reason. That's Latin for a whole minus a quarter. That's 75% of a centennial. And that just didn't look good on any slides I tried it on, so we're not going to call it the Dodran Centennial. I did learn a whole lot about 75th anniversaries, though, while I was looking. It's the diamond anniversary, if any of you are getting close to it in your wedding. It's the second diamond anniversary, 60 is the first one, but 75th is a diamond, supposedly. I was reading one website that was talking about anniversaries and what you're supposed to do and all that. And one said for a 75th, it'd be a good time for a cruise. I thought, what? <laughs> 75 years of marriage? These old these guys, they don't want a cruise, man. They're at least 95. <laughs> That's what the website said. You can't trust anything you see on the Internet. <laughs> they did get one thing right, though. I found this one table that listed all the stones or whatever uh, and all the presents that you're supposed to have for every anniversary. So I'm reading down through there, and I got to 75, and there were more. I thought, man, who's figured all this out? It went to 90. The 90th said that the gift is a stone. Then over side it said, engraved marble. <laughs> Not kidding. I found it. I got that one right. If you've been married 90 years, you're ready for some engraved marble. Anyhow, Northside's been around for 75 years. Uh, I had some pictures, but our slides aren't working this morning that I know of. Um, Anyhow, 19, I had a picture of the building from 1943, the old red brick building on 20th and Jackson. Uh, congregation started in 1939. They built a basement first because that was all they could afford. In 43, they started building the building above the basement, all of that. We've got quite a history. How many of you attended that old, ever attended that old red brick building on 20th and Jackson? You can have your partner help you get it up there. Okay. 
Okay, not, not a high percentage left here uh, this morning anyway. Uh, that, that generation is, is fading out. 1960, we built a new uh, auditorium next door to that one, the old blonde brick building next door. A few years later, built an educational building where the old red brick building was. Uh, 96, 97, actually, we moved into this room. So Northside's been a number of different places, uh, but the people are really Northside, and we're going to talk about that some through this year. Uh, the year of Jubilee, can you imagine how much they talked about their ancestors? And Simeon, Simeon talked about the original Simeon who came out of Egypt, all of that. Uh, I mean, they had to have some great old stories about the old timers, and, and we've got some good stories about old timers. Uh, we're going to remember our roots a little bit this year. And we'll do some of that even in this first series about getting out of debt because Toby knows what it's like to be a young man today and trying to raise a family and trying to contribute to things and all that. And I remember what some of those old-timers did to make Northside what it is. We need to have a balance of that perhaps as we talk about going into the future. So next week we'll tackle uh, God's plan for debt-free living. Uh, Get a generational perspective on it. Toby will start us off next week. All right, so that's kind of what lies ahead in this year. Now, in many ways, I wanted to call this the year of the Lord's favor. In many ways, it will be the year of the Lord's favor. But a lot of it's up to you. Uh, you don't have to wait 50 years for the year of the Lord's favor. The principle of the year of Jubilee teaches us something, but it was just a shadow of the good things to come. The Jubilee was good news for captives. And my belief is we've got a few captives here. My belief is that we've got a few people who are captive to sin, to guilt, to debt to the past. Something's not letting them live the freedom in Christ that Christ wants them to live. And we're going to try to find some of those in our series this year. The trumpet is not going to blow to let you know this has started. I, I can imagine how a guy like Reuben or Simeon looked forward to hearing that trumpet. After all the years they had been in captivity, the trumpet's not going to blow. It's interesting that the day it did blow on was the Day of Atonement. They had a Day of Atonement every year. And on the 50th year, on the Day of Atonement, the priest blew the trumpet. And I think that's a sign to us that that's the first step to being free from captivity, to accept that atonement. In this age, not the age where you had to wait 50 years for the year of Jubilee, but for this to be the year of the Lord's favor in your life, you need to accept the atonement of Christ. If you need to do that this morning, we're going to invite you to. Throughout this year, as we talk about different things that we can be set free from, we hope that you respond to the ones that you need to respond to. This is the year of the Lord's favor. 
you need to respond, please come. Let's stand and sing.